1: Out of the gates and ready to go, Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow is underway on this Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us across the network as we broadcast live from Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Always uh, great to be uh, a part of their property here each and every day. day. Pack Show today. Senator Tommy Tuberville on the program yet again. He's coming up later this hour. Uh, there is a uh, the tenth now the tenth congressional hearing. For NIL on Capitol Hill, which is taking took place early this morning. Uh, More on that in a moment, but we'll get into further details on where we are in this entire process. uh, Chad, you've laughed, but for good reason there, because this is going nowhere fast, even though it seems like that we're discussing this month after month after month. We'll uh, we'll have coach. Tuberville, discuss things with us uh, coming up in about 40 minutes from right now.
2: I mean, Congress does hearings the way the ladies' group in my church does brunch.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's an every ladies week day. thing.
2: Let's just get together and talk about things with no real solutions well, and no real momentum to anything. The 10th the tenth time they've gotten together to do this? 10th. 10th. Uh, yeah. I've got some serious questions for Senator Tuberville when he comes on. Yeah. What exactly is getting done here uh, will be question number one for him. And whatever gets done. When it comes to
1: these things. Can't wait to talk to him. John McClain is back on the show today in hour number two. We've got uh, plenty on the docket for NFL news and headlines. Uh, we'll dive in on all of that coming up. Michael McHenry, our MLB analyst, uh, a former MLB catcher. He breaks down the playoffs for us. The Rangers with the 2-0 lead over the Astros. And Jim Nagy, he's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He will... Uh, Tell us about what he saw between Oregon and Washington this past weekend. We'll look ahead to the NFL talent that will be on the field for Ohio State, Penn State. All of that and more throughout the show. Uh, you can join us on YouTube. We're streaming live. And uh, you can join Chad in the chat on that. If Get you, in on
2: that chat while you can. If, yeah,
1: absolutely. While it's hot. That's right. And if you're uh, joining us on X, formerly known as, known as Twitter, uh, thank you for clicking the one link that we'll be sending out today uh, through OutKick. Be
2: sure to retweet that one link that's going to be posted the one it's like a it's like a, a chain right it's like an email chain you got to keep it going let's just repost it over and over and over again and make sure people see it i'm going to go and repost it right now tell a friend get them to repost it let's repost that thing chad the i, I want to say one more time say repost 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 there it is two more times one more repost
1: please that's right uh the you mentioned and uh i confirmed the 10th congressional hearing on NIL took place this morning. Can confirm a 10th uh, hey, hearing but, uh, for the 10th. It was, uh, there were some major power five voices uh, that were testifying in front of lawmakers today. Uh, others uh, would sit in uh, sworn documents and written testimony uh, to present to those that are on this panel. Um, and uh, one of them is uh, uh, president, Charlie Baker, who made his first public appearance in front of lawmakers. You also had uh, uh, Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti, who was there. And uh, Jack Swarbit Is he su- submitted his, his written testimony. Uh, all of them are discussing the college football and, and college athletics in crisis, pointing to name-image likeness, pay-for-play, uh, the worry, and it's, it's the worry, that we're headed towards a college football players association. And that was really on the minds of all of those talking heads and voices that were more or less whining about the current product being in crisis. Although I don't know if we've ever seen college football more popular, quite frankly. They're pointing to uh, a a lot of hurdles that will have to be uh, taken on by the NCAA. They want federal legislation to tamp down those potential hurdles and back what would be law instead of just guidelines or bylaws that the NCAA couldn't enforce back in in 2021. Chad, this is—they want Washington, D.C. to support them because while they will uh, talk about, well, if we're going to end up paying a substantial amount of money to college football players— that's not fair, and we're going to end up having to confront Title IX and, and what that entails for uh, the, the equal amount for, for all uh, participation in, in college sports. What they're really not saying is this. There is uh, payment distribution, media rights contracts that are massive. For instance, in 2007, the media rights distribution in the SEC Was $10 million. It is now, as of last year, $53 million. 42 to 45% on average. That's per school, by the way. Per school. 42 to 45% of all Power 5 conferences. That percentage of, let's say, the SEC, 52, 53 million, 42 to 45% goes to not student aid or athletes' uh, participation from the the university side of things. No, no, no. That's the percentage that goes to coaches, the support staff, the administration, and, oh, by the way, severance packages and buyouts to coaches that they've let go and fired. 42 to 45% of the athletic budget goes to that. Not to the players. The players are getting about 9% of the athletic budget that the university puts out. And when you think about it that way, they want federal legislation to, at minimum, put a cap on the percentage that can be paid out to the athlete. So that now, in 2029, the assumption is that we're going to have the SEC making $104 million per school in media rights deals. $104 million. It was $10 million in 2007. And they somehow had an athletic budget that could be manageable then. And it's certainly going to be manageable in 2029, just like it is right now. And what they're not coming out and saying is, we want the collectives done away with. We don't want to see uh, the, the athletes viewed as employees. And they certainly don't want to see a players union. And that's because it would be the NFL model where the players on the media rights deals in the NFL... 49.5% 49.5% of that money goes to the players through the salary cap and through the roster money and the collectives that the, each team must pay out at, a, at least a floor. College doesn't want to see that. And it's not because they, they need to maintain all these sports. It's because they want to keep the bag. And it's a massive bankroll especially when you look at the percentage payouts as they are right now, and they're already complaining about the 9% of the athletic budget going to the athlete and not the university. That's what this is about.
2: Yeah, and the other part of this is, well said, Hutton, on that. The other part of this is boosters are going to get strained with all of this. You got Mark Stoops coming out after a loss to Georgia saying, hey, if you want us to compete with and beat Georgia, you need to ante up. We need more NIL money because they're paying for their players. They're spending more money, and they're always going to get better players for that reason. Well, you can go to boosters only so many times, and now they're getting hit up on all sides. They're getting hit up by collectives to help keep, keep talent coming through the pipeline for their individual schools. They're getting hit up by the university and the athletic director and the athletic department to buy premium seats, to sponsor different things, to give, 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 and give. And these high-priced boosters that have a ton of money, they don't have all that money for always being charitable. Eventually, they're going to want to keep their bag as well, just like these teams and these schools want to keep their bag. So they're going to want to keep that also. I think a lot of them are probably sitting back thinking, can't we just cut out a percentage of what you're making in media rights and just give that as a lump sum to football players across the conference? And just put in rules that say every single team in the SEC or the Big Ten or whatever conference you're in based on media rights gets this percentage of the money coming in because of football or because of men's basketball or whatever it may be. That would actually eliminate some of our dollars having to go into this just to have a viable competitive team within tough competitive conferences. So that seems like a pretty easy compromise to me, but... What happens in all of these stories? It's one word. Greed. Greed gets in the way. It's the greed of the schools in in this sense. And it's eventually going to be greed with players also. Not greed right now. They're wanting to get what's owed to them or what's coming to them. But is that really going to be enough when they get a certain percentage of it? Probably not. They're going to have agents and people working on their behalf. It's always going to try to get more and more and more and more. And this is a system that while now ratings look good interest in the sport is really good I don't know that it's sustainable forever there does need to be rules put in place and the rules that it's leading to is a 40 or 50 team super conference of college football that will collectively bargain their own media rights and give out a percentage of money with that media rights to the players in the major money sports of that conference I think that's where we're headed eventually But until then, we're going to get, what, 10, 20 more congressional hearings about this? Just wasting time and wasting time and having speaker after speaker ask things that have nothing even to do with NIL at times in these? That's where we're headed. And
1: there's no end in sight. That's right. And the other thing, just to keep in mind here, is the same leaders of college athletics, the same commissioners and leadership of the NCAA who has allowed the networks to control where we're headed with everything, those same leaders are pointing to the issues within 9% of the athletic budget. In some cases in the SEC, athletic budget can be as much as 215 to $220 million. 9% of that goes to student athlete aid and support from, from the roster uh, from, from the university and the athletic department, 42 to 45% to coaches, administration and severance packages. That's, that's really all you need to know. It's not going uh, the vast majority of it's not going to the athletes. Uh, and it's not going because of of title nine, it's going to failed leadership and buyout money. And then these massive contracts that also include more buyout money.
2: And I think what's crazy about the buyout money is, what are we talking about with AM right now? Price of oil for a barrel is over $100. So now the AM boosters have the money to buy out Jimbo easily right. if this year continues to go downhill. And they did before, but that's right. a, a, a reasonable point. But it. here's what I'm getting to. It's not the schools always paying the buyout. They're dipping back into the hands of the the, the pockets of their boosters over and over and over again. There is fatigue with people they won't give forever, and they can't give to everything. So you're going to have to give. The university that's getting the check for all the TV rights, you're going to have to give up the majority of that. And if it means cutting sports, while I hate that, and I don't think we're there yet, that is probably what's going to eventually happen because – you can only milk the cow so many times before the cow's purple. And that's what we're seeing right now with boosters. So uh, it's not it, – this is not – this isn't Saudi Arabia. This is not an ever-ending flow of money from boosters that you're going to continue to go to like an a and to get the next middle linebacker or to buy out the coach that you stupidly hired and has failed within three or four years, and you have to not buy out. Because the agents are controlling the system, and the contract for the coaches is out of control with buyouts. This is a system that the powers that be have set up. It is now failing. It is on them to fix it. And to fix it, it means legitimate change. Are they willing to legitimately
1: change? I think we know the answer to that. Well, the money, though, just keep in mind, the money's there from the media rights contracts. It's just how they distribute it. They're still going to the boosters uh, as, as if they're, you know, they're poor, which is not the case. Chad, uh, ESPN has laid off many uh, solid employees over the years, and certainly this, this past spring, early summer. Uh, that includes more than just great talent in front of the camera, and that was evident last night with Monday Night Football.
2: Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm using a snapshot here of, of what I saw because I, I, I will fully confess I did not watch all of Monday Night Countdown before the Chargers and the Cowboys last night. But what I did watch was one segment on the field, and I think Scott Van Pelt's very good at his job. I think he could be very good at this job if he was given a, a good show that was well-produced to do before the games. He's much better at SportsCenter afterward because I think that's a well-produced show. Scott Van Pelt was on set with Marcus Spears, Ryan Clark and Stephen A. Smith in in what I can best describe as sort of a masturbatory segment about Stephen A. Smith and had nothing to do with the game that was before them. It was Stephen A. Smith joining their set in a Dolce & Cabana, Cabana sweatshirt with the logos all over it, put his sunglasses on the table and started talking about how the Cowboys are a miserable organization and this and that. And then it was Ryan Clark and Marcus Spears getting fake angry with him bad-mouthing his New York Knicks and comparing them to the Dallas Cowboys. It was terrible television. And I, I do not understand why a company the size of ESPN and Disney would spend the amount of money they do on a product like the NFL, hand over all that money, and then bring to the public a show of that low of a caliber before the game. I don't get it. Monday Night Countdown was far better before, and they laid off some of their better people. And I'm sure not every segment is what I saw last night. And I'm not even some Stephen A. Smith hater. I know exactly what he's paid to do. He knows exactly what he's paid to do. He's very good at what he does, and he's very good on that show. But to bring Stephen A. Smith on set in L.A., to just provoke two other guys on set, and then start this fake disagreement argument on air. It was bad television in a pregame buildup to a Monday night football game, the preeminent sports product you have on your network that you've paid billions for and will continue to do so over the years. It was awful. I I don't understand it. I don't know why you spend that much money and then produce that, that we saw last night.
1: Well said. And it it goes back to, you 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 lay off uh, talent in front of the camera, but also behind it. And they're betting on the fact that football fans are still going to tune in and watch. You
2: get what you pay for. You do. And, and we're seeing that. And it was one long segment, but it was way too long and felt like it was about four hours long.
1: Dallas Cowboys, uh, the, the Spanish announce team, were denied access to a press box last night, a booth, so they did it in the press box and were epically hilarious. We'll get it down more next.
3: What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control.
1: 6th and Peabody, our location with e Beer and Old Smokey Moonshine. Hot Mike with and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. We're asking you to repost the link from Outkick on uh, social, on X. You can also join us on YouTube. Just search out Outkick there and uh, subscribe to the channel. Join chat in the chat. Wave your flag.
2: I just want to, instead of putting the description of the show, when the post happens, let's yeah. just put, repost this. Repost. <laughs> with a link. Just repost this with a link, and we can see if that catches on like wildfire. Hutton, sure. you grew up on a farm, right? I did. Uh, you were around hay a lot. Uh, yes. You and I both have allergies. It was not. I I cannot go on a hay ride with my kids. Oh. There was a fall festival <laughs> at my hay. youngest daughter's school, <laughs> and I did that a couple times as a kid. Oh, I don't know how I survived it, but just sitting on hay for—I mean, we were on this thing for on a on a tractor carrying the you know hay bales for ten minutes. Fifteen minutes. Immediately sneezed eight times when I got off the thing. I mean, immediately, the trigger point reaction in my nasal cavity to sitting on hay is insane. Every single time it gets me.
1: My allergies are me different than that. I get uh, just stopped up, and then the, my eyes are like swelling from. Oh, I get from the from the allergy. I get like that's a certain sometimes, type of grass. I
2: get almost with anything violently sick. Like, usually my illness is a shorter period of time, but it's violent while I'm sick. It's like really bad sneezing, really bad runny nose, can't stop run- my nose running like a faucet, or I'm throwing up for six hours instead of <laughs> nine or 12, but those six hours are hell on earth. It's always quick and violent when I get sick.
1: Jed, I, uh, I would be sick if someone told us, hey, you, you have to uh, just do the show in front of the rest of the, the press box instead of having your own booth if we were calling a game. That's yeah. what happened to the Dallas Cowboys uh, Spanish announce team. And they did their broadcast like normal from the press box with the working press there. I I would guess everyone's not happy with that, but they had no other option. And I, I showed you two clips during the break, but I mean, they, they were into it as you would expect and props to them for doing exactly what they normally would have done had they had their own booth. I don't know how you don't have enough booths uh for for the working press in a state-of-the-art stadium like that uh what they're doing now though is they're just selling suites and if the suites aren't sold that ends up being an extra booth that's the case with visiting radio for instance in dallas where we were uh that's a working suite but it's not game day for concerts and other other things i guess sofi is just for other things not uh, not the working press. Props to the, the Dallas Cowboys uh, Spanish Announce team. They, they crushed it. The Chargers also have one, but they had their own booth. Well, it's, uh, first off, I'd love to be this
2: enthused about anything, the way the Spanish oh, Announce no. team is during the game and the energy they bring to the broadcast. Terrific. Uh, every time in, in every sport. And maybe it's something about the Spanish language, a beautiful language, and one that just sounds excited at all times, no yeah. matter what's being said. But I, I love the, the footage of them in the middle of the press box. Hutton, we had this similar experience one time. We're in Canton at the Pro Football Hall of Fame doing a broadcast. Was yeah. this Kevin Mawai's year? Mm-hmm. I think this was Kevin Mawai being inducted. We were up there for for him. Paul Koharski, our old colleague and, and host, is there. Maybe the biggest fight I got into with our old engineer, Kirby, uh, who we love to death. Kirby but Allen we get Kirby. there and get set up. And Hutton's always way more calm like during setup time uh, with engineers. And I'm usually in the middle. And then, of course, Paul's on the extreme end of getting angry. And I'm kind of trying to just coax Kirby and be nice with him and saying, hey, man, I don't know uh, if this is going to work because we're in the working written media area. (laughs) And everyone in here is quiet as a mouse, like we're in the middle of a library and we're studying for finals. That's a great... So we should not just, you know, take our voices to the max and start a show in here... At 11 a.m., you know, Eastern time, in front of the working media, uh, Kirby assures me, "Oh no, no, no! It's fine. This is the one spot to set up. They told me to go wherever, and this has the nice table hookup and internet cords right here. Everything's good to go." I'm thinking, "Okay," but Kirby, when we start this show, it's going to be awkward. So we got to be ready to move. No, 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 it's fine. I'm coming out of the gates with it. Hutton I did. barrels through this thing. I mean, like a Jeep in a military movie going through a barricade. That is Hutton's voice when he comes on air every time. Oh, the gates and ready. I mean, just full-throated boom, right? There is a gentleman about 65 years old in front of us uh, who's working on a story or doing something. And I mean, I you would have thought that fireworks were going off inside this building. He was building. startled. Startled and starts talking to me. I'm on the end. And Hutton can just blow through anything and just tunnel vision, <laughs> not see it. I notice everything not really. around me at all times. This guy is so angry. He puts his laptop down. He's talking to me. I've got a headset on, microphone in front of me. He's telling me, be quiet. You're too loud. Be qu-. And he's doing this hand signal. And I'm trying to hand signal him saying, we're live. We're I'm, live. I'm, I'm doing – I knew my sign language live. I'm off we're and live. rolling. I'm saying we're live. Hutton's not acknowledging any of it, doesn't know what's going on, doing the show, like now the, just like these Spanish announcers. Yes. In the press box, rolling through it. Admirable. This guy is in my face. I'm trying to tell him that we're on air without telling him <laughs> that. I'm putting the mic away to tell him. I'm staring <laughs> down Kirby, our engineer, looking at him like, you did this to us. It's yeah, how you. How dare you. And you alone. And uh, what happened, Hutton? We went to break. We went to a break. And, and Kirby uh, moved
1: us into a hallway. Luckily, we had a, a break long enough to uh, allow us to move the equipment. And we, we did that. We were back within like five and a half minutes. I just looked at Kirby. I said, do you believe
2: me now? And he just kind of came. It was like his idea at that point. It's the funniest part was, hey, guys, I think this might be a better spot. I found another hookup for it. Okay, great. Good job, yeah. Kirby. Appreciate it.
1: In a room with just us. It was perfect.
2: It was um it was amazing. It was, it was beautiful. But that's, that's you know, our comparison.
1: Uh, uh, you know what else I find beautiful? The play sheet of Mike McCarthy last night. Very organized, color-coded, and, and you know exactly what the third down plays are for certain downs and distances. You've got the high red zone uh, and, and much more. And the organization allows the clarity of the camera to pick up what's on the back of his play sheet as he's looking at uh, the the current play that he's calling in for for Dak Prescott. Um, Truth be told, there's not a lot that the other team doesn't know in their scout process about what you run and win. But, I mean, Chad, coaches go to great lengths to cover even cover their mouths as they're delivering a play call to the quarterback. And... In this case, you have the game plan that Dallas put forth for the Chargers specifically based on down and distance against what defenses they thought they would be facing.
2: Well, let me give you um, my prediction about what's going to happen with this now. Okay. This is clearly the team's fault, right, for making something on the back of a card or whatever that can be so clearly visible and holding it up that way. They're not going to get the blame. The network is going to get the blame for this. ESPN is going to get the blame. They're going to, someone's going to come back and say, how dare you give away our state secrets this way with that close-up of a camera shot. Yeah. You don't need to be in our coach's face. You don't need to be that close. I guarantee you there is a memo being sent out or something happening today, emails back and forth. Some responded to, some not, probably on a group email from the NFL and the team and the network about what they can and can't do because of all this. And it's all silly. I don't think this really gives away much of anything. It's also not a great look uh, for the team giving it away.
1: Cowboys are going into uh, a bye week, I believe, and then they come back to face the, uh, the Rams at home. It's going to be a, a bye week where they're changing some of their, their formations <laughs> and play calls, at least uh, visually. Uh, Chad, uh, coming up in, in just a moment, we'll discuss part of uh, this headline with, with Davey Hudson. Uh, Julio Jones, now a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's joining that wide receiving core. Uh, Philly taking on Miami this coming Sunday night uh, in what's going to be a a, a solid matchup between two great offenses. Uh, Maybe you want to check out that point spread. You can do that with PointsBet. If you haven't taken your shot with PointsBet, now is the perfect moment. The big reason why, exclusively for first-time PointsBet users, grab this unique offer. Right now, new PointsBet users get up to $1,000 in second-chance bets. If your first offer doesn't go as planned, PointsBet has your back with a second chance. Get this offer by visiting outkick.com bet. Outkick.com bet is where you can go to complete the registration process with PointsBet and make your first bet. If your first bet happens to lose, well, second chance, this is what that means. That's when the second chance bets come into play. Remember, terms and conditions apply. you got to be 21 or older in legal gambling states. Gambling probably 1-800-GAMBLER. Outkick.com slash bet to snag this offer. It is time for NFL overreaction with Davey Hudson.
0: Hud, before we get into that, I would like to add, I think that the Cowboys are playing 3D chess. I don't think they are a very good team, and so everything we saw on that card is actually fake. It's just a thing to where they're trying to get the other teams to, like, dig into it. Um,
1: Well, a lot of, I mean, the vast majority of the down and distance that we saw, high red zone, you kind of know what Dallas runs if you, are yeah. doing the NFL model of scouting.
0: It just it reminds me of 1999 when Coach Mike Leach put printed out fake oh, pamphlets yeah. of where they wanted the defense to go to, to create holes for what the actual game plan was for the offense. And Oklahoma, who was terrible going into that season, in Texas, one of the top teams in the country. Oklahoma was able to get out to like a 21 to nothing lead thanks to the cleverness by Mike Leach, but we'll go ahead. We'll get into wasn't it, it. Hold
2: on quick. Wasn't it operation mincemeat in World War II? There was a Netflix movie about it where the British had a dead officer and they planted fake plans on the officer that they planted in the sea somewhere for the Germans to find, to redirect their plans. And they planted basically a fake playbook of what the Brits were up to. So they would take the bait and then they would attack in a different uh, area. Uh, another even predating
0: Mike Leach yes. where that happened. That that did happen. I the believe you're route. correct on the mincemeat um, yep. for the operation name. Uh, I, I don't have any operation names for our topics in NFL overreaction. I won't okay. say that much. But just to get started, we currently have five teams sitting at five and one atop the NFL uh, when you're looking at the league as a whole. So I'm looking at these teams and the Lions are the best team in the NFC. I, I'm going to say they are one of
2: them for sure. I, I don't know that I'd call this an overreaction. I, I think it's a fair opinion at this point, right? I, I'm going to go with it as an overreaction because I don't believe it to be true. I think it's San Francisco or Philly still at this point. But there is an argument to be made that, first off, there's no argument to be It's truth. They're one of the best teams in the NFC right now by record and what they've shown on the field. And while I think it's San Francisco or Philly, I'm, I'm willing to listen to opinions about it being the Detroit Lions is the best team
1: in the NFC. I think Detroit's the second best because Philly hasn't played their best, but they're still winning. Um, San Francisco is atop the NFC. I want to see what happens now with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey on the injury report moving forward. That, that evens the playing field a bit. Uh, but, again, it's San Francisco – and they they have the, the most complete team. Detroit has the most consistent team.
0: Uh, speaking of San Francisco, Brock Purdy, no longer a top-ten quarterback.
1: No, he still is. Uh, he has one loss, and people are overreacting to it.
0: Yeah, I think that's an overreaction. I think Brock
2: Purdy's still one of the best in the league. It, it's crazy to think about where he started, but he's shown enough now where one bad game uh, in bad weather
0: I'm not going to say that he's he's lost it. So still top ten. Okay. Uh, the Eagles, after signing Julio Eagles. Jones, they have the best wide receiver core in the league.
2: I don't think Julio Jones makes a bit of difference uh, for this. So
1: You could have I, asked this last week. Yeah, too. last week it could have been and the it argument. Change. It's
2: they're definitely one of the best. Um, I lean Miami, just with the speed of that group that's so different than the rest of the league right now. So overreaction with Philly having the best wide-receiving group.
1: Uh, I, I was, it, it's Miami at the top for me. Philly is right there. Uh, same can be said for Cincinnati talent-wise. Uh, San Francisco, when healthy. I mean, if we're counting tight ends here, and I believe we are because those guys are basically paid like receivers now. Uh, San Francisco's in the mix. Iuke uh, is solid when healthy. Same for George Kittle. Uh, yeah, uh, put those teams at the top. Yeah,
0: Dallas Goddard's it. not exactly gotten the looks and know, the production yeah. that we've seen from years it's, it's past weird. with the new play caller, but I would definitely say he's one of the top guys there. And, uh, you know, just speaking of, like, top play makers, uh, Tyreek Hill is the most valuable non-quarterback in the NFL.
2: I'm going to say overreaction, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it, I'll, one simple reason. The Chiefs went on to win, to win a Super Bowl a year ago. After he left, I don't think the other most impactful players that are on this list, if they left their team, they could equal anything they did the year before. So I'm going to go Justin Jefferson or Micah Parsons as my answer. I think you could pick either or. I don't think the Cowboys are what they are and could equate anything to the season before if he wasn't there. Same goes for Justin
1: Jefferson. Uh, Tyreek Hill. With Tua Tagovailoa, in the 18 games Tua has started and finished, Tyreek has 126 catches, 2,062 yards, 13 touchdowns. He averages 114 yards per game receiving with those stats, if you do the math there. The Dolphins average 30 points per game when both players are on the field. Uh, It's hard to argue against that claim, Davey. It's not an overreaction. There are just others that could also stake their their claim yeah, he's, to it. He's
2: in the mix. He'll he is for absolutely
1: sure. is. Uh, joining the mix next, Senator Tommy Tuberville will discuss NIL legislation.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. If you want to tell people the big news...
1: Sixth and Peabody, our location with E-hop here and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hunt and Wither rolls on across the Outkick Network. The 10th congressional hearing took place today, uh, taking a look at name, image, likeness, possible federal legislation. Uh, and they heard uh, from the NCAA president and uh, other big voices that carry weight across the Power Five conferences uh, for sure that all are looking to Washington for legislation on rules and governance that the NCA took a step back from in 2021. Senator Tommy Tuberville has been leading the charge uh, in regards to getting a bill on the floor, uh, bipartisan ways. And uh, since, uh, Senator, since the last time you joined us, by the way, uh, Coach, it's great to have you back on the show. <laughs>
4: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Yes. Thanks for having me. Uh, Since the last time we had you uh, on the show, we've read many articles. We've seen many different voices step forward and and say uh, one side for the collectives, one side for the future of college sports as we know it. Uh, it, it Specifically, there's now college athletes and others pushing for what uh, essentially amounts to a players association trying to get a larger cut of the billions in the media rights contracts that networks are paying out. What do you make of the chatter and where are we headed based on the discussion that took place today with the hearing?
4: Well, everything I hear from my colleagues out in the business world and and watching college sports, um, all they say is help. We got to have help. We're losing it. If we're going down fast, we're sinking on a sinking ship. Now, listen, we're all for athletes making money, but this is getting out of hand of what's going on. There's no rules or regulations, and, and we've talked before. We've we've tried to put something in uh, in writing, uh, Joe Manchin and I, going through the Commerce Committee with Ted Cruz. It was good to see the Judiciary Committee today have a hearing on it, but those, basically those things at the end of the, end of the day are useless. All it is is, is uh, TV time for senators and and them to be able to send back their constituents. But, it, you know, uh, as good as Charlie Baker is there, the NCAA director, uh, I've had him in my office several times since he's taken the job. He needs help. He wants help. And that, that's what's been great about him. You know, a lot of these guys come into the NCAA or any job like he's just taken over, um, they don't look for help. They think they can uh, solve the world's problems, but he knows he needs help and it's gonna to have to come from the federal government because state government, you can not do it. Everybody needs to be on the same page. And that's what our bill is trying to do, is do four or five different things. You get everybody on the same page, all 50 states, and then let the NCAA step in and put the small rules around it. Uh, but again, we're our bill now, Joe Manchin and I's bill, that was put together basically by athletes, coaches, presidents, athletic directors, uh, Charlie Baker, Everybody had a say in it. Now it's in the Commerce Committee. I think they'll make some tweaks to it. And hopefully it gets some uh, momentum. But uh, the Democrats and Chuck Schumer, they could care less uh, about really anything to do with NIL other than making uh, athletes unionized. And uh, that would be a complete disaster.
1: Senator Tommy Tupperville, our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow on OutKick. Uh, as far as the disaster, I, mean, I know that the... the the point of emphasis from the NCAA side is this is out of control. Uh, we're, we're going down a, a steep decline if we continue down this path. Uh, the media rights money for the SEC, it was a great deal for the CBS at the time, $10 million in 2007 distributed to schools. And it's $56 million now. It's projected to be $105 million per university in 2029. How can they cry poor if there's going to be some rules and guidelines uh, on on the floor that the athlete can get paid and they can also make the same type of money they're making now, even if the athlete ends up getting 50% of the pie if they unionized.
4: Yeah, well, if they unionize, uh, uh, that, that'll that be a disaster. Can you imagine the week of a game, uh, some team decided they're going to go on strike and uh, and the money... money Uh, stops flowing. But at the end of the day, I think there needs to be some uh, revenue sharing uh, with all this money coming in. Uh, The problem you have there is you have probably about 40, 50 teams that would be able to share a decent amount of revenue with all their athletes. You can't just talk about football or basketball. It's got to be every sport, men and women, And uh, you got to be able to pay your bills after that. You got to think about this. There are so many schools, even I can tell you, I won't bring up names. There's four or five schools in the SEC that they have built so many facilities, they'll never be able to pay their bills, okay? They're dead broke. And they're going to have to do all they can to be able to pay this high interest rate on the money that they've borrowed to build stadiums and basketball arenas uh, and all the facilities they've been uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. So, uh, we talk about all this money and at the end of the day, that money usually is used in a certain degree towards all sports, not just one or two. So hopefully again, we can get some uh, sense of reality back into what's going on here. Understand that athletes should make money, but the schools, the universities are going to have to find some way to revenue share. And then when it goes down to the lower, uh, uh schools, like, uh, Division two, division three, there's not going to be any money there. Uh, It's just not money. They don't make any money. And so uh, NCAA, and I've told Charlie Baker this, you have got a hard problem to keep everybody satisfied and keep the federal government out of your business because every so often he'll be brought up here asking why he did this and why he did that.
2: Yeah, and and Senator, good point on what's going to be sacrificed here is a lot of lower-level college sports that aren't at the highest level, that may not have certain programs anymore or scholarship opportunities for young athletes to attend and get that that scholarship. So, And I, I've been saying that for years, that that is going to be the unintended consequence of all of this. Programs will be cut in the name of revenue and, and profit, and that's the sad part of this. I'm curious because whenever we talk about something like this, and I'm sure when you do the same, there's not a lot of nuance online, right? The response – is all in one way or the other. That college sports right now is better than it's ever been because players are getting paid. Or it's the existential crisis of college sports are over forever because of NIL. You mentioned the possibility and the need of revenue sharing at some point. My question is, is there a compromise that can be met with what you're doing, with what you see, when you're talking to people? Do you feel like a consensus and a compromise can be arranged?
4: Well, you got to look at the legal aspects of all this antitrust laws are going to set in on a lot of this. A lot of these players are also going to be looking at big tax bills down the road. Uh, They're going to have to pay agents. They're going to have to pay lawyers, accountants. There's a lot of things that's going to cross the the threshold here. What concerns me more, I'm not worried about the athletes that's getting money. I worry about the ones that are not getting any money. Uh, a, a cut of the pie, so to speak, and that's the reason I think we need some revenue sharing. Everybody should get something, but I'm really worried about women's sports and Olympic sports. They're not going to make it. They're not going to have any funding. Uh, a lot of this money that normally give by donors out there that you know that donate money to schools now it's going to go into collectives. It's going to go into these high priced players across the country, and you're going to see a, a you're going you're going to see some parity. And I've seen it already. You're not going to have uh, schools that are going to be able to stack up running backs and quarterbacks because that second or third and fourth quarterback's going to want to leave and go somewhere where they can play and make money. Uh, and that's probably the best thing out of this uh, because you're not going you're going to have a little bit more parity. But the problem is you're not going to have any parity to the to the lesser. I'm not going to call them lesser athletes, but the ones down the line standing in line to be the backups or third teamers trying to work their way up it's gonna be a hard road for them to make it. And then of course, women's athletes, you're gonna be able to cross it off the board. if we, We're we not gonna be able to find any money for it. Uh, it's not gonna be there because I said earlier, a lot of these schools are broke. They're, they might be making a lot of money, but they're the worst business uh, entrepreneurs in the world, other than politicians, other than <laughs> Washington DC. We, we can find ways to spend money up here. Uh, we print $60,000 a second up here. So we won't run out of money, but they're gonna run out of money uh, in, uh, in some of these universities, Uh, they make money, but they know how to blow it also.
1: Yeah. uh, You're right. Uh, It's crazy to think the percentage of the budget that goes to coaches or buyouts and severance Mm -hmm. packages, it's like 42 to 45% on average in the sec. That's crazy to me. Uh, if, if they're pointing to their budget as being in crisis, they, they put it that way. And the same I, I, I'm just trying to be real here. the, the same people that are talking about the, the, the collectives are also adhering to whatever the networks want. Uh, the, the network I, have, have the network any representatives from the networks been at the hearing yet or is that scheduled?
4: Oh no, you're not going to see the networks here. It's their cash cow right and Of course you've got ESPN that's crashing in some areas because of the money that they're they're having to try to make and cut back on because Disney's uh, flopping out there because of all the crazy things that they've done but it's uh you know you can blame a lot of this on on athletic directors who had didn't have a clue what they're doing they're trying to keep their job Uh, why an athletic director is making me and a half two million dollars I do not know and then they're going out there trying to say we I'm going to sign this this coach and I'm going to pay him he's never won any games before but I'm going to give him seven million dollars and 35 that million dollar payout I mean what in the world are we doing out there I mean it's College sports and these athletic directors with the salaries. Now I don't, and I made good money. Now don't, don't get me wrong, but I had built a pedigree and won games with a background. You got some of these coaches that have never hardly coached and had success, but they're making six, seven million dollars with huge buyouts, and that's what's caused all this problem: is all the money going to the coaches and very little going going to to, to the athletes.
2: Let me ask you to put your coach's hat on again for us, for, for this one answer. When you see what's happened to the Pac-12, talking about the networks and everything else and how that conference dissolved, as the, uh, someone who's been around college football for as long as, as you have, w- what are your thoughts on that conference going away?
4: Well, it's sad. It really is. And, uh, you know, th- they had a huge problem out there, number one, with being on the West Coast and having late night games. Nobody knew who they were. I mean, it just—it was kind of impossible to for any any of us in the central or the eastern time zone to step and watch a game that started at ten thirty at night, finished at two in the morning, and it probably wasn't fair to them. But it's just you know you got to have a product, you got to be able to sell it. Uh, It's probably good that some of them you know to to get a little bit more airtime to move to the to the Big Ten Uh, all the way across country travel is going to be a killer. Uh, It's going to be devastating to a lot of these athletes, not just in the. In the in the two big sports, basketball and football, but think about the the Olympic sports that's going to have to do all the traveling. But it's uh, it's what it is. They're trying to make money. They're and uh, you can see now. But you know, again, going back to you know some of these schools, uh, they're trying to buy their way in. Look at USC. They went and got a coach from Oklahoma. He brought almost the entire team with him, and uh, you know their defense couldn't play dead in a western movie. I mean, that, that yeah, <laughs> they just awful. Uh, you know, you, you can't just be an offense, but, and I'm not throwing stones at USC. It's just, they tried to do it a way of just going out and buying yourself a team. And it's impossible. You've got to have some stability. You've got to be bringing local players and you've got to build your brand. And they had a great brand there. Now they're just known as chunking it all over the field, not tackling anybody playing touch football, but it's not just them. It's other schools that I've seen that have really lost their way in terms of the their background and what got them to the dance, so to speak. And hopefully they, you know, a lot of these schools get back to doing what they know best is recruiting local athletes, educating kids, and building a team and a team atmosphere.
1: Senator Tommy Tuberville has been our guest. Coach, it's great to have you on, and I'll say this on the way out here as we're up against it. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're leading the charge on this. You've got perspective from the coaching hat and, and from the lawmaking hat. But also, I mean, you're willing to join our show as one of the leaders and voices. There are not too many that are stepping up in that forum. Charlie Baker made his first public appearance in front of lawmakers today, the first. It was the 10th hearing. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the collectives, I don't know exactly the direction we're going in terms of agents or a players association. They've got to figure that out too. All that being said, we, we appreciate the visit as always. And uh, here's hoping you're more optimistic than you are right now previous to uh, other conversations we've had as we continue down this path? Well, thank
4: you. And I'll tell you, you know, and I've always said this, there's, there's a couple of things that's made this country great. I, I was involved in one for 40 years, that's sports in high school and college level. I mean, it's made, made men, young men and young women leaders and believers in themselves and others in our country. And then it's our military where our young people actually had to learn something, moral values, discipline, all those things, those two go hand in hand. I just hate to see the direction we're going now to where it's more about money. Uh, and I'm not against them making money, but I'm, 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 it just, it breaks my heart to see the direction we're going right now. And hopefully we can figure out a way where they all make a little money, make a little bit easier, give them a chance to thrive, but also learn those values that, that athletics teaches you as you're growing up as a
1: young person. It's not easy on the on the leadership uh, in any direction with all of this. Uh, certainly, uh, you certainly feel that I'm sure. Hey, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Yep. Same to you, uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville, our guest. Stay tuned. A lot more coming. Hot by with Hutton Withrow, our number two. Straight ahead. Uh, we've got headlines plus big NFL discussion. We'll react to what Senator Tuberville just had to say as well. It's all straight ahead right here on the OutKick Network.